Welcome to another episode of Thinking Like a Bank, where we show you how to think like a bank by applying the same strategies and principles that banks use to help you find more financial freedom in your life. I'm your host, Sarah Ibrahim. With us today, Lisa Peterson. She's the mindful millionaire maker. As a coach, author, business growth strategist, and founder of Wealth Clinic, she helps people elevate their financial consciousness by realizing their true value and becoming financially empowered. Lisa, welcome to our podcast. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to for you to join us today. I've been looking forward to this interview. Um, and I think what you're doing is is pretty consistent with what we're doing, how kind of helping our clients think differently about money, kind of an unconventional approach to uh, to money. I want to jump into all of that. But before we get there, tell us more about who you are and your background and what you're doing today. Great. I'm so happy to be here. I used to be a financial advisor. And before that, I was a mortgage banker. I worked in credit cards uh, for a large bank running the co-branded credit card division. Before that, I worked for an insurance company in property and casualty insurance. And I also worked in life insurance. Oh my gosh, so many things. So 30 years in the money business. And about eight years ago, I walked away from my traditional career because I realized that people we're struggling with something that I call scarcity mindset. We've all heard that, but I noticed it in a big way. And I realized that I could only help people so much in building wealth if we weren't uncovering the patterns behind their scarcity mindset. And so I broke off and started this digital marketing, coaching, education business. And now I primarily focus on entrepreneurs because those are the ones, those are the people who need me the most. They are the ones who often, it looks glamorous on the outside. It looks like you're so successful. And many times the entrepreneurs are making less than their employees and they're not saving money. They're, they're not taking good care of themselves financially. And so my business coaching is oriented to helping people st- save more, <laughs> earn more, have higher profit, higher leverage. And we use mindset and, and wealth building strategies to get there. Awesome. So property and casualty insurance, life insurance, work for a bank, mortgage. It's it honestly sounds a lot like my background. <laughs> I, I did this, I did similar things. So I, I completely get it. I think some of them are related, right? Like different niches and different industries are kind of related and within financial services. But one thing you said that I really liked is uh, scarcity mindset. So I think that um, this could be a natural quality that we as humans have, but do you mind kind of sharing like more on like what is What does it mean to have a scarcity mindset and how does this affect a business? Yes. So the first part is this isn't something I came up with. There's actually a book. There's a body of research. Uh, two professors, Princeton, Harvard, uh, wrote a book called Scarcity. People can pick that up. But in summary, their findings is that when people are in the mindset of there not being enough money, resources, you know, uh, they, they do a lot of research about farming. It's interesting, but like it, it shows up in all aspects of life. And what I found is it goes beyond like when we don't think that we are enough, same thing happens. What they found is, is when we're consumed by not enough, we lose on average about 13 points in IQ, which is like losing a full night's sleep meaning we don't make good decisions for ourselves when we're consumed by not enough. They also found that 
we are tunneling. So what that means is instead of seeing all these possibilities of what we could do in any given situation, we only see a few possibilities. And often those are very limiting and restrictive and they're not filled with possibility. So when you ask about how does this show up for an entrepreneur, what I find is people go into business with great plans about making a difference and, you know, being financially successful. And then they find these places in their business where they struggle and they feel like I'm not good enough. I, I can't figure this out. And instead of realizing that they are going to make really bad decisions about that thing, they double down and try harder when the best thing you could do is step back and say to yourself, you know, who is not in the room with me right now? Like, who do I need to get help from? What resources are beyond my limited capacity in this moment that could help me see this differently, right? So that's where coaching or resources or education or books, like there's so many things we're all doing the question is, is are we doing those things enough at the right time that we break free of those patterns and not find ourselves kind of caught in a web that doesn't bring us the outcome that we want? Love it. Okay. So I got, you know, um, scarcity mindset leads to kind of like a tunnel vision and not in a productive way, in, a, in, in like a negative way. So you're, you're taking all these options you have and then kind of limiting them down because of simply mindset. In other words, what you're thinking is what you're what you're seeing. So if you're thinking that there's less resources out there, you'll you that's all you'll see is less resources. And then I like how you ended that with who, right? So um, you're stuck in this business, you're struggling, you have you know probably some financial concerns concerns, as well as the business concerns, like the marketing, you know, the acquisition part, all that stuff of the business. Um, and then who can help, right? And it kind of goes into Dan Sullivan's book, Who Not How. And I kind of just love that question, right? It's like, it takes away from who, not how, uh, also like who, not what. So it's not what you need. It's not how you're going to do it, but rather who can help you get there. Am I right about that? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think it's, it's kind of all of the above, you know, making sure that you're not just fixated on there only being one possible mm-hmm. outcome. And, and I think it's really interesting how, because uh, I've worked with business coaches in the past, and typically it's usually only business. It's like, how do we market? How do we do Facebook ads? How do we, you know, do our eBooks? And um, and then there's it's completely different from the financial coaching part. So you're you're in a position now where you're doing both, right? You're you're helping clients on the business side as well as the financial coaching side. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So what I found and what's unique and I think really helps my clients is we're focused on three primary areas. Number one, like you said, the sales and the marketing and the operations of the business, like how can we be more effective? But then we bring in what I'll call self-realization. This is where the mindset work shows up. Like what paradigms, I help my clients question the paradigms that they're living in that cause them to keep creating the same thing. You know, a great question everybody can ask themselves in this moment is Mm -hmm. what's the most amount of money that you've ever made? Mm -hmm. And then think back, how many years did I earn about that amount of money? It's kind of crazy how we can end up back at the same place, even Mm -hmm. though we're doing lots of different things. That would be a paradigm. 
a paradigm about how much am I worthy of making? Mm -hmm. How much do I feel comfortable making? Who might I have to become to make more money? So those are the sorts of things that I help people explore in the context of their business. And then the third place is this financial piece, which sometimes it gets included in the business piece. But again, it's not just about how much money you make. It's about how much is left over. And then what are you doing with that money that's left over? And are you making your business and creating it in such a way that there's enough leverage and enough profit that you have money to go out and invest in other things beyond your business? And, you know, I don't need to tell them all those things that I need to make sure that they're paying attention to that, mm-hmm. that it's not just about how much you made this year. It's about what are you, what kind of legacy are you building? And most of my clients are so busy running their business. They're not paying enough attention to this bigger term, you know, mm-hmm. picture. And what is that going to look like? And um, I'm paying attention to all three balls at the same time to say, mm-hmm. where is the weakest link or where does that represent? where in this person's life and business is the biggest potential, what's going to cause them to, you know, um, show up for themselves, take bigger risks mm-hmm. than maybe they're comfortable taking uh, so that they can achieve the objectives. Got it. Okay. So it's like three parts. One part is just like the sales and marketing part or the general business part. The second is like the self-realization. I love that. The self-realization part, the paradigm, like what you believe, what you believe to be true. And then the third is the the financial piece. So I like this one too a lot because and this is something I want to kind of dive into, you know, hence the name thinking like a bank is so we built up, you know, a business. We now have profits. Some people might think that um the profits automatically should go back into the business. In some some situations, I think that's true. And then others, why not fund other businesses in which they those other businesses are either other actively owned businesses or even better, passively owned businesses. So we're taking money from one business and then growing or planting the seeds for another business and then creating this kind of this like moment, this creating this momentum of, um, or the cycle of using one business to fund another and then using that second business to fund the third and so on. Have you seen that like work in your, or have you seen that with your clients where they're using one business to fund another and kind of creating this whole momentum of different businesses? Most definitely. I think that it comes down to what are your interests are you someone who just wants to invest, let's say, in the stock market, mm-hmm. and that's plenty, and that's all you want to do? Or are you someone like myself who loves real estate and loves the flexibility? And then you get into, well, what kind of real estate might you own? Are you a more passive investor where you just want to research the mm-hmm. investments and put your money into those investments? Or are mm-hmm. you someone who wants to manage properties? And I have been a real estate developer alongside of my husband. We have rented properties Mm -hmm. out. We have sold, bought and sold land. We have run commercial buildings and we have run Airbnb buildings Mm -hmm. and then long-term rentals. And through the course of doing that, I can speak to these different interests and say, well, here's the pros and here's the cons. Cause there's no like just everything's perfect. It's going to have the both sides and helping people to evaluate those. And then also what type of minimums do you need to save to be able to go and do a passive investment mm-hmm. uh, versus, you know, active real estate can be done for like $10,000, but yeah. it takes a lot of time and researching, yes. you know, these properties and these markets. So I know a lot about these options. And my goal is to make sure that people are kind of looking at like, what might fit my lifestyle? Mm-hmm. What might fit my age? Where am I in that, in that cycle of 
you know, do I want to work a lot at this and make maybe more money or would I like to work less? And it's okay if I get a little less, you know, those are the sorts of things that I help folks do. And yes, it's been very successful for people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you can imagine, there's probably an evolution to it where Mm -hmm. we might start doing the the, um, investing and building up a retirement fund. And then, then there's some momentum. They're like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. I just got $50,000 windfall. I want to go invest that in a passive source Mm -hmm. in real estate or, you know, it's, it's about being able to look at your money as a tool mm-hmm. rather than a measurement of self-worth, which can happen in the traditional business environment. And it's, it's like how, depending on how successful I am, you never want to do this. That's how much value I have, mm-hmm. but people get caught in that trap. The cool thing about having lots of different, you know, types of investments you're involved in is after a while you're like, uh, it has nothing to do with my self-value. Like I don't want it to be that. I just want to live a beautiful, loving life and not be so tied to my money. You know, it's like that you don't, the other big thing about financial planning I want everyone to hear is the reason we get good at financial planning is so that we know when enough is enough Mm -hmm. and we stop acting like more is better because that's not true. I love that last part. It doesn't necessarily mean that having more money is going to automatically be better. It's about reaching your goals. And something that's kind of crazy is a lot of people, I've seen this a lot working with clients, is that, including myself, is that we lose focus from the objective of a business and people have their own objectives for owning a business, right? Uh, but it's not, I think for a lot of people, it's not to have another job or to have a more exhaustive job. It's to have a vehicle that you own and could ultimately like generate passive income for you or very little active in, active work in it. So I think that that's a really important thing too. And, and it helps when we look at money as a tool and then our business as a tool that can generate that kind of money. I wanted to kind of go back to your career as a financial advisor. So I, I know that's different, but can you tell us more on how is it different that you know being you know a financial advisor kind of like wall street hat on uh, versus what you're doing today in the financial coaching setting when i was a financial advisor one of the big things for me was around education because i do tend to work with a lot of women i was working with a lot of women inheritors and i found that a lot of women had not been taught about investing and about stocks and bonds and you know small cap mid cap large cap like if we are investing in things and we don't understand them, there's a tendency to abdicate responsibility. And my goal, both as a financial advisor and now, is not to abdicate responsibility of your money. So as a financial advisor, I really took it upon myself to educate mm-hmm. and to help people make sure that whatever they were investing in made the best sense for them in the stage that they were in. So if they're just starting out, their portfolio might look different than when they've got half a million dollars or a million dollars in investments and making sure that the strategy was customized for for different stages and also for education as well. Mm -hmm. So the educational part was different working as a financial advisor than not working as as a coach. And I've also seen from other advisors and coaches, it's like some people have resistance to working with an advisor because they think that they're not like wealthy enough to work with an advisor. Um, whereas when we bring in the financial coaching part, it's it's kind of like an open door. It's like, we'll work with, you know, not anyone completely, but more people who are kind of just looking for that fluid, open-ended financial help. Now, Lisa, what are some of like the, um, as far as the financial part, what are some of the actual solutions or end results you're helping clients with? Like, what, like imagine I'm working with you 
what are, what are some things we can project to see done? One of the big things is creating more leverage in our efforts. So a lot of businesses, you know, they are renting out their time. They're trading trading time for money. And that works for a certain maybe portion of one's business. But like you were saying earlier, I'm very interested in helping folks who are ready and, and trying to figure it out how to go into a more passive model. And the passive model may just mean you're affecting, you're teaching, you know, a group of people, you know, a hundred people have signed up for a course mm -hmm. and you're teaching that to them. It might be membership model. It may be an app, you know, which I think anything technology wise, if you have a unique perspective and you can create a technology app that keeps, you know, paying back and it's, it's an amazing option, but, but evaluating, and I'm, I'm going through this with one of my clients right yeah. now. It's like, she's had a very successful media, mass media career and TV and books and all yeah. of that, but she doesn't control the purchasing of her, her, you know, gifts because mm -hmm. she's got to be hired by someone else and then they pay her and she's got to keep up with the, you know, the latest and greatest. And mm -hmm. it's like, well, she's learned all these things. How can we help her to create a platform that, has books, has um, courses, has her as a very high paid speaker, mm -hmm. that doesn't just happen magically, right? It's a very strategic process. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the ways I created this thing called becoming especially noticeable. And I figured out this dynamic that part of the reason I get sought after for interviews and I've been on TV and I, I constantly have a stream of free publicity, which has been yeah. really beautiful is because I was very strategic in these key areas of differentiation. It goes back to blue ocean strategy yes. and, and how do we create us our own, you know, blue ocean where we're not competing against all these people because we're so unique in our approach. Some people never figure that out. But what I've found is that if you can figure that out or you can work with me or someone who helps you bring those things to the surface, you start create, creating your own brand, your own platform. It's unique. You're seen as unique and it represents opportunity for publicity and also having a, a really excited fans that love what you do that will buy anything that you put out there. And, you know, that's what I've been trying to do in my business and, and it's been successful. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I love the blue ocean strategy, as you mentioned. Um, I think it's, you know, it's because I think the, the old school way of business is like, who's my competition? How can I beat them? And then Blue Ocean is like, you're going to create your own market. Like you're going to take maybe one or two different industries or niches and then like combine them together. And I think like, like you've done, right? Like business coaching and financial coaching, like put them together. And I think that they go hand in hand, right? Like our business is our finance. That, that is our financial life. <laughs> our business, you know, for a lot of people, that's their only asset that they have, especially new business owners. They're typically, you know, starting off with their first, their first asset that they actually own is their, their business. Um, and I know that you wrote a book, right, called Mindful Millionaire. Mm -hmm. Do you mind sharing what is what what this book is about and like some some of the kind of like points out of the book? So the book is oriented to two different audiences. Uh -huh. One is more like my parents who were consumed by scarcity mindset, couldn't get out of it and constantly struggled with money. So they weren't able to save it. They had a uh -huh. lot of emotional trauma that came into their experiences with money. I wanted to help that group of people realize that they 
have been dealt the school of hard knocks with money, but it can stop at any point in time. And my goal was to show them how to change their mindset so that they weren't operating from the scarcity that we've been talking about. So it was written for them. And then the book is also written for people more like myself, where I made money, my God, early in life. And then I had some wake up calls that made me realize that life is not all about mm -hmm. money. It isn't about he who dies with the most, you yeah. know, is the best or what have you. And that awakening that I went through that I watch a lot of people, you know, mm -hmm. from starting in 9-11 mm -hmm. and then through all the, you know, the recession and then through COVID, people waking up to the fact that maybe this isn't all that I thought it was going to be. Money isn't making me as happy as I thought it would. Uh, it's written to those folks like myself who are like, oh, wait a minute, I am ready for a restart. I'm ready to really find greater meaning in my life. And I know it has money keeps me from allowing myself to enjoy life the way that I want. And so I wrote it to both. And that was why it was a really hard book to write. <laughs> Most books have one audience, yeah. but I wanted to speak to both. And sure enough, that's exactly what has happened. Love it. Awesome. And where can we find this book at? It's everywhere. So it was published by St. Martin's Press, um, particularly easy in the US and Canada. Mm. Um, some of the European countries, you've got to go onto Amazon and it should be there. But uh, The Mindful Millionaire, um, you can also go to mindfulmillionairebook.com and mm -hmm. there's all kinds of freebies. So if mm -hmm. you get the book, you can get access to those things too. Awesome. And how can people connect with you, learn more about you? Uh, you could go, if you, if you're interested in learning about my work, get the first chapter of the book, you can go to abundancegift.com mm -hmm. uh, and that will, you know, get you all kinds of goodies and a quiz about like mm -hmm. what's coming up for you. Where might you be struggling uh, around scarcity? Mm -hmm. And I use a really cool model that is inspired by the chakras might seem kind of weird, but I just want you to everyone to know that I have fun with money. I teach mo about money from this more metaphysical mm -hmm. place, but I'm still a financial. I'm a certified financial planner. <laughs> it's very grounded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to have fun with something that sometimes isn't very fun. Awesome, Lisa. Well, it was a pleasure having you on the podcast. I'm looking forward to having you back on here. And I'll be sure to add in all the links and your book mentioned in the show notes below so that way listeners can just click. Uh, thank you for joining us. Looking forward to having you back on. Thank you. To learn more about what we do and how we can help you grow more wealth, please visit www.finassetprotection.com. That's F-I-N, assetprotection.com. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.